tired. So tired. Overtired. It's my it's my week to do the intro. Welcome to Overtired uh, with Christina Warren and Brett Terpstra. How's it going, Christina? Well, I am living up to the show's name. I am like very tired. I, I got like an hour and a half, two hours of sleep. Yeah, yeah, like I've I've done that many times. Like I can relate to what mornings look like after two hours of sleep. But what's going on for you? No, just insomnia. Oh, and no. and it, no, just like insomnia and and fear and dread over like the state of everything. Yeah, no, I feel like I feel like our mental health corner starts right here. I, I yeah, I was gonna say like we we shouldn't even do any preamble. So for uh, for listeners, we are recording this on uh, Tuesday morning at seven thirty a.m. Pacific time, ten thirty a.m. Eastern. So live election, election day. coverage. Yep. Uh, yep. Um, I uh, I see that the New York Times has brought back the damn um, button thing like the like the um, to, to show like, you know, like where things are. Uh, you don't need that. No, we don't. I have like genuine PTSD from the last election. Yeah. And from that damn like, you know, uh, whatever that thing is called, like the. Uh, the, the gauge yeah there we go meter yes the, the 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 election meter like from the new york times election meter i was like motherfucker like i genuinely have like like ptsd and I'm, i i like not actual ptsd <laughs> you'd but, be surprised actually oh i was gonna say though but the thing is is that i do have like a visceral like actual like physical reaction to thinking back about where I was four years ago and what happened four years ago. Like it's a very real thing. And, and so I'm like, I'm being flipped, but I'm also kind of not. So seeing them bring that election meter thing back, even for just a couple of States, I was like, no, 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 you are not doing that. New York times. No, you are not like, because I just go back to where I was four years ago in New York city watching it happen and i i can still realize when it hit me and it hit me hours before it it hit a lot of other people like like grant was was not where i was at and it was like i don't know it, it was probably honestly it was probably 7 30 8 o'clock but i think that i, I sent out a tweet that 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 like like 8.30 p.m. And I remember this because Business Insider quoted it in like their election live vlog thing or whatever. And I, 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 I was like, I feel sick. And that was, you know, a good five hours before anything was like called. And yeah. but but I, I it just I could just see where it was going. And I was like, I feel sick. And yeah. just remember being in the Gawker offices and just watching and seeing everything and and. Well, yeah. And by 8.30, they had called Florida, if I recall correctly. They which, were in the process, and that was the thing. I think I think actually that the, was when— Yeah, the, I, path, I, the path to the electoral win had already pretty much been sealed by 8.30 or 9 o'clock. Yeah, it wasn't—like, I, I think that they were still holding out that, that, that Florida could be, um, like, uh, you know, could go one way or another. But I think that it, it had basically— you know, it was it was at that point where we, it could be called, and yeah, that was the thing for me. I think that was what had happened. They had just called Florida, and I was like, "Wow," you yeah. know, and 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 that was when it was just kind of like starting to dawn in on me. And like I said, like other people that I was with, both in the office and you know, Grant w were like, "No, no, no, it's fine, it's fine," and just just seeing the mood shift. I mean, that was the the, the most just kind of bizarre thing and it's not so much that everybody in the office was in the tank for hillary i'm not trying to like be all like like conspiracy there's oh you know all, all new york media people were in the tank or whatever and it's like but you know you think something's gonna happen a certain way yeah and what had actually happened is is and we were mad about this uh bringing up to this but um uh deadspin um which uh you know was a very good website uh it is now run by zombie scabs um who are terrible and should feel bad uh, because they are bad. Uh, but but de but Defector, the the site that all the people who were at Deadspin quit and uh, who quit a year ago actually and and, and started it is quite good. But um, some of the, the the dudes had written like an article about like how everybody voted, and a bunch of the the men like proudly were like, "I didn't vote." 
And a bunch of the women in the office, like we were like mad at them. We were like, this is just like reeks of privilege. And like, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, she's going to win anyway and whatnot. And like, honestly, yeah, for the state of New York, it wouldn't have mattered. But it was just like the, the fact that they didn't. Yeah. And then to see how things happened, uh, there were lots and lots and lots of like dirty looks and like angry yells um, throughout the next week in the office. But you know, there was this, this 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 guy I worked with. It was his first election because um, he he was like about to turn nineteen, and just like seeing the look on his face as he was kind of realizing, you know, what happened. And it was just this. I'll never forget it because it was just this moment where I mean, you know, I, I don't want to like put like I don't want to like create an experience for him that that wasn't accurate to him. But it, for me, it felt like I was watching someone like lose their their innocence. Yeah. You know, like in real time. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had this massive TV screen um, in, in the, the office that was like in the theater area. It was like this huge, 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 um, like, uh, you know, projector thing that was two stories tall. And, and, and we were all just kind of gathered in and watching and just, you know, I was, I, I left at like 1 p 1 AM and um, it was just, uh, yeah, just worst night ever. So right, and so what you're yeah. describing is legitimately trauma, <clears throat> and I don't think that I'm not a psychiatrist, obviously, but I don't think that PTSD is too crazy a claim to make about what we all went through four years ago. No, here's no. the thing about that meter is, and by the time this comes out tomorrow, everyone will be fully aware that we're not going to know who won today. There's every chance that by the end of today, it looks like Donald Trump won. Mm -hmm. It will be at least a week, if not a month, before all of the mail-in votes are are counted. And there is every chance that uh, there will be a blue shift as those mail-in votes are counted. So it's going to be a tight race, but we're not going to know today and... I'm not going to turn on my TV today. I'm not going to check the news today because I don't want to be depressed seeing Donald Trump, you know, take the lead for any period of time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so I I would I would like um, the New York Times has a podcast called The Daily and that I, I quite like. And they had an episode last week um, or, or two weeks ago, like reliving the 2000 election. And I am. Um, I missed being able to vote in that election by like a week and a half or something. So I, I didn't vote in that election. And, um, but I remember like watching that and I remember, you know, like I remember that whole thing about like the, the, the confusion of like going to bed, I think at one point and it was, you know, first it was called for Gore. Then it was called for, you know, then it was too close to call. Then it was called for Bush and Gore conceded. And then like I woke up and Gore was like, no, 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 no. Like right. I don't concede. And that was actually his biggest mistake was that he conceded too early. Yeah. And that was one of the, th- like genuinely, like that was the thing that like beyond the Supreme Court stuff and whatnot, like there was, you know, this whole like Brooks Brothers, uh, yeah. uh, like, uh, um, uh, you know, like riot, riot or whatever. And uh, the Roger Stone led and all this stuff. And, but the, but the big thing is that he conceded too early and, yeah. and it made him look like a sore loser. And so, a unless like unless the numbers are just so skewed that there's no way that that he could like unless Biden like it's such a blowout that there's no way that that there's no path to victory Trump is not going to come in and concede and and by the same token like I really I I hope that everybody on Biden's team like remembers that lesson from 20 years ago which is no matter what happens like you cannot like concede tonight like there's there's no way like like even if you think that there's no possible way for it to work out like this is this is not the time to like be gentlemanly because a you're not going against uh, a competitor who is a is, is going to give you equal um respect and b as you said we just don't know so so what is your what is your plan my my plan for tonight, for, for, yeah, I'm gonna watch Frasier uh, and ignore like everything because well, like what what I'm waiting for is the coup. 
I'm waiting for uh, for it to look like Trump is ahead tonight and then for Trump to make every effort to end the count, uh, to to fight uh, all mail in ballots, to try to cancel out all of the we'll call them pandemic votes, because uh, that's when that's when the election will be rigged. And when that happens, that's when we have to start considering protests. We have to start considering rolling strikes. We have to start really fighting for democracy because Mm -hmm. like never before it hangs in the balance. And if, if Trump tries to do anything to make sure that every vote isn't counted, like this is, this is a call to action and I don't get to pretend I'm too old for this shit anymore. So I'm gearing right. up. So tonight I watch Frasier. Tonight I take it easy and mentally prepare for a coup. Yeah, my neighborhood since, you know, June for and and I I'm not like opposed to, I'm I'm opposed to the to the white people anarchist bullshit, but I'm I'm not opposed to like the the, the protests and stuff in general, but like my neighborhood has been like a a, a protest zone since June and yeah. um I I don't even I can't even imagine what it's going to be like tonight honestly like um so cuz I I live you know near the the the, the chop or the chaz or, or whatever you want to call it like I, I don't live in it but I live like a couple blocks from it um and uh the people who own my apartment complex are actually suing the city over it and uh anyway you know so there's uh which honestly fair because the the, the city was so incompetent with the whole thing that's a whole other issue but um like it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in downtown Seattle tonight because I have a feeling that it's it's going to be crazy. Yeah, We're, like one way or the other. You know what I mean? Like because as you said, I'm I'm kind of waiting for a again like un, unless it's just a total blowout and and he doesn't have anybody who expect. You know what I mean? Like and even if it is a total blowout, I, I'm not expecting Trump to concede. Um, but you know unless that were to happen where it was like, it made people like, like confident, like, okay, this is how this is going to happen. Like there's going to be, there are going to be riots is all I'm saying. And like one way or another, like period. And, um, just kind of preparing for that. So So do you have any special outfits planned for the civil war? (laughs) Um, well, I, I've spent, I've spent a lot of money on Supreme during uh, the pandemic. So I guess that is Supreme. Supreme is very, very overpriced, but well, overpriced because you have to pay uh, for from scalpers. Um, it, they're a skateboard kind of shop um, and streetwear company. Okay, and they do they do drops like every Thursday. But the thing is, is that they sell out of their drops like immediately, and then scalpers charge two, three, four times as much for their stuff. So it's just like streetwear stuff. So. Uh, I have I, I've I've um I have a lot of supreme stuff, and so I, I guess like the the revolution will be supreme uh, outfitted in that. You have um, so much more money than I do. You have so much money. I'm surprised you're not a Republican. That's oh, a joke. I'm joking. <laughs> How dare you? Seriously, <laughs> I mean, it, well, the, the, well, the irony with all of that, right, is that is that I talk to I don't talk to because I don't go on Facebook, but. I see people on Facebook who are people that like I went to college with uh, or, or high school with who are talking about taxes and this and that and are, you know, are Republicans and whatnot. And, and, and they're going on and on about all this shit. And I'm like, I pay more in taxes than you make. Like, <laughs> and I'm still a Democrat. Like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm I'm like, I'm I'm, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not in to be clear. I am not in that. Like, I, I personally make four hundred thousand dollars a year category that, you know, that the Joe Biden like has this list. I'm not there. But um, like uh, I certainly um, I make a lot more than I made four years ago. That that's absolutely true. And I, I pay a whole lot more in taxes than um, a lot of people who like 
I grew up with who were complaining about stuff. I'm like, I'm like, shut up. Like I'm in like the top. And, and the, the problem is, is that I make enough money where I don't like I make enough money that I pay a lot in taxes, which I'm completely fine with. But I don't make so much money that I can like be part of the tax shelters. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, so it's like that weird middle zone where it's like, oh, no, you're the person who like actually like pays and then some and that's fine i'm i'm not like in any way mad about that uh it is what it is and and uh, my only if i could bitch about anything with that it's that i wish that all the the fact that you know the large percentage of my income that i pay in taxes i wish that that meant that we had a social safety net for everyone right like right. that would be that that's the only thing that bothers me right it's like okay like you know people like me and my my big tech ilk pay a lot of money in taxes, which is fine, but we still don't have national health care and we still have people who don't have a safety net and we still have seniors who feel like they can't retire and we still have, you know, people who are on the poverty line and we still have like other really fucked up situations. And like, that's, that's where I become like frustrated. I'm like, okay, you know, like there, there is a, a big sector, not big, but a, a not small sector of people who are putting a lot into this. And we still don't have these programs if we would just spend our money the right way on things like universal health care, because I would just like to think that for like my my 35 percent or whatever the hell my rate is, like it would be nice if, you know, everybody had health care. Yeah, well, that's the, that's the thing. We the tax rate on the wealthy has gone from uh, over the course of the last hundred years gone from like over seventy percent down to like what like fifteen twenty percent now, and you would think if trickle down economics worked, <laughs> right? If that worked, we would we would all be taken care of, and the economy would be uh, working for the poor. It would be working for a middle class, but the middle class has consistently shrunk every time mm -hmm. we lower taxes on right. the upper class. Well, so, that's the thing, right? Because like technically, like I'm upper middle class, like I'm not in the one percent. I'm not in the two sure, percent. Yeah. I'm not in the three percent. Like I'm in like the upper middle class thing. But like that, you know, I'm, I'm like what my parents were and um yeah, like it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And the, 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 the thing is, depending on where you live, okay, uh, it's a little bit different now because of the pandemic and stuff and, and housing prices and rent prices are actually insanely in a weird state like in San Francisco. But even that said, like making what I make, if I lived in San Francisco, I would actually get a raise. Um, like Microsoft would actually pay sure, me more. Yeah. Because cost of even though the cost of living isn't actually that much higher, if I lived in San Francisco or New York, my my salary, my base salary would be higher. And the thing is, is that when I made, you know, one hundred and fifteen thousand dollars a year living in New York City, that was like, OK, I can pay my rent and I can pay my taxes and I can like do other stuff and I maybe have four hundred dollars left at the end of the month. AOL offered to double my salary if I would move to San Francisco. Um, and I was making six figures to start with. So it was a significant increase. But when mm -hmm. I did the math, right. the difference, even with a double salary. Was still, you were, you were going to be losing out. Yeah. yeah. I still would have had less disposable income. Totally. And well, yeah. It, it just, it wasn't worth it. I, I actually, I, I like it in Minnesota, but the number one thing that I've come to appreciate uh, is how cheap it is to live here. Yeah. I mean, cause that's the thing, right? Is that is like, I make a lot of money, but I still don't own a house and I, I'm still not in a position to buy a house. Like, yeah, period. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those things. It's like, okay, it like, if, like, okay, if I'd spent, if I'd spent my whole career working for like a big tech company, being the age that I am, I could absolutely afford to, to buy a house, but I didn't. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's like, okay, I've got, I've got three years of this. So it was like, okay, I, I have, you know, decent savings and I could buy a house in the suburbs maybe. Um, although even that would be like hard. And, um, but otherwise it's like, no, cause you know, you need like a 20% down payment and you need other stuff. And it's like, pfft. I don't have that kind of money. Right. Like, see you know? here, here, 
I can get a nice house, not a mansion, but a nice house for less than one year's salary that they were going to pay me in, in San right. Francisco. I right. can well, get a decent house for right around 200 here. Right. See, the thing is, and I would need 200 as a down payment. Yeah, I know. I know. I looked into it. It's insane. And no, when it I, is. When I did the calculations, that was just me living in an apartment. Exactly. Like oh, there was totally. no chance of homeownership on oh, that salary. Oh, oh. <laughs> no, not even remotely close. I mean, and that's the thing is it's, it's, it's like and, and that's the thing, too, is that it's like, yeah, OK, a lot of the, the big tech companies like we're very blessed and I'm in no way complaining because we are so much better off than so many other people uh, globally. And and it, it, it's, it's not a complaint, but it is one of those things. It's like, OK, if you don't live in the Midwest or someplace that has affordable housing, then even that said, you are in your 30s like me and you're making, you know, a good six figure income and you can't afford to be a homeowner. Yeah. Like your, your options for that are to go to the suburbs to rent or to start really young and put money away so that by the time <laughs> right. you've been at it for 15 years, then you can you can do it. But yeah, but but. Starting really young these days isn't an option anymore. Like I, I, our, right. our, starting with millennials and on, mm -hmm. people I agree. aren't making enough to save money. No, I agree. Well, what I mean, though, is that like if you were hired out of college yeah. at like Amazon or Microsoft or Google or something. Yeah. And okay. yeah. That, that's what I mean. Right. So yeah. whereas whereas. No, to be completely clear, like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not alone in this and that like if you're a coastal person and you work at a big company, like I always talk about that. People are like, oh, you have all this money. And I'm like, I'm bad with my money in the sense that I don't have any <laughs> debt, but like I buy stupid shit. Like I buy vinyl and I buy stuff from Supreme <laughs> because what else am I supposed to do with it? I can't buy a house. Yeah. I can't buy property like I could. But you know what would have been a problem? Like I actually thought about it and I'm so glad I didn't have the money or do it, but because I, I didn't have the opportunity then. Um, but I thought about like at one point I was like, well, you know, I won't be able to, to own property in Seattle and, and I certainly wouldn't be able to own in New York or whatever, but maybe I could buy like property someplace else and do Airbnb shit. Well, thank God I didn't because all the air, all the people who did that are so fucked yeah, they're so screwed. I mean, and then there are a lot of people who got like the low interest loans and whatnot and like really are, are screwed because right. they have, you know, they're, they're now on the hook of these, these mortgages and like nobody's doing Airbnb stuff. So, um, <laughs> you know, and it's like um, but like they, they cut our rent, um, which is insane. Like they actually kept our rent the same, but they gave us a free month. So my rent is is before parking and other stuff is thirty five hundred a month, and um, so that was like, you know, basically a three hundred dollar a month uh, cut on my rent this year, which is nuts. They were like, please just don't leave. Just if you sign a, a, a six <laughs> to twelve month lease, we'll give you a free month rent. I'm like, okay, chill. Um, done. You do, know. Do you want to know how much the mortgage is on the house I'm living in? Fifteen hundred, less. I I, I I won't go into the exact number, but it it only has three digits. And, <laughs> and I have an office and a bedroom and a kitchen yeah. and a living room. See, see, and that's the thing, right? This is why um, I would actually. There's this thing um, in the Wall Street Journal, I think, this week about how people are like on mass moving from the Bay Area to yeah. Colorado. Yeah. And it makes sense. Um, and, and you see it going to a lot of other places. The one downside of that is, the, and this is the thing where the tech companies and, and some of the other employers will screw you, is that they will lower your base rate. And for oh, some sure. people- The Midwest tax, they call it. Right. And and for some people, if you do the math, it will still work out. Um, for me, it'd be one of those things. I'm like, I don't want to live in the Midwest. And, and then you, like, you need a car and you need other stuff. But a lot of people are now like- I don't think Winona is going to face this, but but Minnesota, well, it's actually Minnesota is really cold, but you know what I mean. But like, <laughs> but 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 the Midwest in general is going to have this big influx, I think, of of people, you know, kind of coming into it. And like Colorado is actually a perfect spot for that because already it was a tech hub, like with Boulder and Denver and stuff. But it's going to be even bigger. And people are people are people are like in Boise and shit. And I'm like. Montana and like like housing prices are going up in Montana because people are like, all right, we're, we're going to flee, you know, San Francisco and and go to Bozeman. And I'm like, OK, I and this is elitist of me, but I'm like, I don't I don't know if I could live in Bozeman. 
like even if it was super cheap, I think that that would just like I think I would be driven insane. But that's just me. Are you ready for an awesome segue? I'm so ready for an awesome segue. It, uh, it, okay, I don't mean to raise expectations because it's not that great a segue. Speaking of mental health, oh, this see, is perfect. Kinda. So one of the things that my psychiatrist has recommended for me is taking vitamins D and E. And uh, hey, shocker, mine too. Yeah, well, they're they're great for your for for your uh, your mental health, especially if you have like. Uh, we, we won't go into specific. I'm not allowed to. That's weird. Um, but but so uh, we are sponsored this week by Ritual Multivitamins. And I am just got my first shipment of them this morning. So I can't talk about how well they work yet. But I'll tell you why I'm excited to start. Are you ready for this? Why are you excited? I'm so excited to hear about why you're excited to start. So a lot of vitamin companies start with like great research and they have a great team of, of scientists and nutritionists and doctors and they make a product they really believe in. And if they're good, they often get bought up. And when a new parent company tries to optimize the product, they end up sourcing lower quality ingredients and adding fillers and sugars and a bunch of stuff you don't want in your you know daily right. vitamins. And the thing with Ritual is it has no sugars, no GMOs, no synthetic fillers, no artificial colorants, and all of its ingredients are transparently sourced all the way through. So you know where every everything from the casing of the capsule to the actual nutrients in it, you can see where it comes from. And because that's like a major selling point for them and and the reason that I'm excited about it, I think I think they'll stick with that. I think yeah. even if they get bought, that's kind of like a major feature for them. Yeah, no, and I have to say, I um, I haven't received mine yet, but I'm really excited to get them because I've been meaning to, I need to take a daily multivitamin to be totally candid. And it's something that I've, I've kind of, I uh, haven't been adhering to basic health things in these <laughs> in these times. And when you look at that, yeah, I mean, that you're exactly right. And that a lot of the the multivitamins out there, like they have a lot of those fillers and so having a company that's committed to not having that stuff uh, is really important. Yeah. And you're going to get the the formula specifically for women. I'm taking the formula for men. Uh, they even have like uh, teen and postnatal formulas. Um, nice. My form- I, I, I should maybe be getting the teen formula. <laughs> <laughs> you youngins. Um, my formula has 10 nutrients. I'm not I'm not sure offhand what's in the women's formula, but mine includes vitamin E and D and even some B12. It's not a a butt injection, but it is, I'm getting some B12 out of it. And that's uh, good. And they're vegan friendly. Yay. Yay. Uh, And uh, as someone who's doing intermittent fasting, I also like that they use a delayed release capsule that dissolves later. Uh, in less sensitive areas of the stomach. So I can take them even if I'm not eating a meal because I skip breakfast, but I like to take my vitamins in the morning. Right. So that's, I'm the that's same way, actually. Point. No, that that's good, actually. Yeah, no, because I'm the same way. I, I like to take, and I don't do intermittent fasting. I just don't eat in the morning. Um, so having a delayed <laughs> release difference. is good, basically, right? <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, th- this is like the dirty secret. I'm like, oh, I don't do intermittent fasting. I just eat once a day. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's kind of what that is, isn't it? That's, that's literally what that is. Um, <laughs> But you deserve to know what's in your multivitamin, and that's why Ritual Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. So you can visit ritual.com slash overtired to start your ritual today. We did it. Yeah. I am I am actually I am actually legit happy to uh, to get these and start taking them because I have not been I have been neglecting basic health things. <laughs> yeah. Get your vitamin D and E. For for real, I mean, I don't go outside anymore. So and and, and it's like it's it's a problem. We were actually talking about like naturally, we were talking about like our vitamin D deficiencies. Yeah. Last week or two weeks ago, and so. we talked about B twelve. I feel like everything's we did. coming full circle. It is. Thank you, Ritual. So um, the other thing that really helped my mental health this week uh, was some escapism with friends. Uh, nice. I did. Uh, with with Dave Chartier and 
Dan Peterson and Marina Appleman and Christopher Gamble Wallenjack, just to drop some names that most people nice. probably don't know. Um, well, but but I know, and and they're all awesome. So uh, yes. So we did a, a virtual movie night. It was our second one. We did one a while back. We watched Mister Right, which, despite its its Rotten Tomatoes rating, <laughs> is actually a fantastic movie. Uh, we've probably talked about it. I never shut up about Mister Right, but uh, on Halloween. We got together on Zoom and then set up a group messages conversation and then used Plex's watch together feature to play uh, John Dies at the End. Nice. Which is, again, it's it's like 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. And if you actually read the reviews, everyone hated it. But <laughs> it's it's still a fun movie, especially with friends. Um but it like it works because you can we mute the Zoom call while the movie's playing, and with Watch Together you you hit play and it plays for everybody. And so then we mute the Zoom call and we switch to the text messages. So we have the running MST three K style <laughs> like witty remarks all the way through. Oh, I love it! And with the current version of messages, you can thread replies. That's right. Oh, that's fun. I went, I went in on the next one that you do. I, I will include you next time. I didn't want to bother you on Halloween. I figured you had things going on. Oh, I was sick, so oh. uh, I was asleep. But yeah. Um. <laughs> yes, you will definitely. You're already my friend on Plex, so it'd be easy yep. to loop you in. That's uh, awesome. And it is I love a, that. a fun bunch of people. And it, it's there's something about like I've I've text watched with people before where we just kind of like we know we're watching the same thing and you do that thing where you're like, OK, hit play. No, no. Now hit play. And you try to like time it so that you're seeing the same thing at the same time so you can have really rapid fire text conversations about it. The Hulu has a watch together feature yep. as well. I'm not yeah, sure. And I, th and I think Netflix finally released one too. Okay. So yeah, you can do this with a whole bunch of different platforms. Uh, but it, it takes that whole like synchronized start thing out of the mix. Right. But right. Having which, the is, zoom which is the call, problem, having the mm -hmm. video of the zoom call and being able, even if they're muted, being, able, being able to, to see, see people, other people and, you know, see them laugh when, when you're laughing and it adds this very much, uh, social aspect to it that you don't get otherwise and here's the thing even with having to have three different technologies running and and streaming platforms and everything it's easier to pull together a digital watch party than it ever was to actually get people together in the same room right yeah um so early in pandemic uh you know 400 years ago or and I think it actually was March, even though it still feels like it's March. And like, that's the joke is that it's still March. Uh, I think, what did I watch? I watched with Prashant and his wife, Melody. We all got on, we got on FaceTime and we watched, I think we watched uh, the, the Nancy Myers film, um, The Intern. Um, but we might have watched another Anne Hathaway movie. I don't remember. But, but we watched it together and it was fun, you know, just but we, it was that same thing. It was like over FaceTime and we were we, we were basically synced up or whatever. But it is that problem where like even if you think you've got it done, like, it, you know, it can still be imprecise. Yeah. But you're exactly right. Like just being able to see somebody, even if you're muted is really really awesome and and you're also right that it's way easier than like finding people to invite over and be like okay we can all get together at this time well and then you have to clean your house Ugh. well that's the whole thing i was like <laughs> i gotta my house is a nightmare you have to serve snacks yeah, yeah that i don't ever mind i'll just order out but but the, <laughs> the the cleaning thing is is definitely an issue and or if you live like our living room is a decent enough size but we I don't know, it's full of guitars and other stuff, sure, but like sure. in New York, but like in New York, for instance, we could never have people over because our living room was also kind of like our kitchen yeah. area. Like it was the way that like the, the layout was because our apartment was so small, With the even though it was a two bedroom and everything. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Oh, well, no, I've, yeah, <laughs> I have it's seen basically, pictures of New York apartments where the bathroom is in the kitchen. Yeah. And I mean, <laughs> ours was not in the kitchen, but it was like this, this tiny little 
like it shouldn't have been a bathroom. Let's yeah. just put it that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, th that's awesome. Um, I definitely went in on the next thing. And uh, also like kudos for, for Plex for introducing that because I think a lot of the services are doing it now, but there'd been a bunch of extensions, like Chrome extensions that people had created yeah. to get up the syncing. Um, and, and I think it was so popular with pandemic that the services were finally like, okay, we'll do it. Like I think Amazon has one, but then they're limited by like what content will right. support it on or whatever. Whereas Plex doesn't have to worry about that because they're just like, hey, we don't know what you're watching. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, <laughs> we don't know how you got it on your Plex. We assume exactly. you ripped your Blu-rays. Yeah, we, we assumed that everything was just completely kosher. But here's a here's. I, I admire him for this, but I could never live by it. But but Dan uh, from the, he's the he's the designer for Agile Bits, um, one password. And yes, he, I uh, yeah, I was saying for the benefit of our audience. Uh, yes, I, I'm sorry. You're correct. <laughs> he he his Plex consists only of movies he actually owns on Blu-ray. Cool. That, yeah, that's that's my response as well. Cool. Like I have a certain admiration for that. That's that's a that's a strong moral code to live by. Yeah, yeah. I used to have a uh, so I used to have a thing when I was in high school, um, and then in college a little bit where I was like, and this was like the the Haiti of Napster. So I was like in in. Oh, I thought you said Haiti of Napster. I was like, was there a a disaster? Okay, I mean heyday. Heyday, heyday. Yeah. Uh, so because I was like in like. 10th or 11th grade when Napster came out. Uh, and I used to have this rule where I was like, okay, if I download more than like three songs from the same album, then I need to buy the CD. Yeah. And I would stay, I would, I would like hold myself to that. Um, and I do have an enormous and tremendous Blu-ray and DVD collection, like thousands of titles. So a lot of the stuff on my Plex is stuff I actually own, but not all of it. But the bigger thing is that there are like TV shows. There's stuff that we have that like is not available. Yeah. Like you were talking about Mystery Science Theater 3000. Um, Grant is obsessed with Rift Tracks and he's also obsessed with MST3TK. And like so much of that stuff has never been, like the Rift Tracks have, have been released, but so much of like the, the actual commentary things or whatever. But, you know, some of those movies aren't, aren't readily available. Yeah. And um, like the MST3K, you know, series episodes, they release like some best of stuff, but most of that's not available. So there's some stuff that it's like, yeah, uh, I would, I would very much like to, you know, legally buy this, but you won't sell it to me or right. you will, but it will be neutered. Um, and so, yeah. yeah. So I, I res but I, I do respect like the, the commitment to being like, oh, I'm, I'm only gonna, uh, have stuff that I, I own on Blu-ray. Like, again, like full props to that. Um, that is not my reality. But yeah. well, I have I, a respect for it. For a lot of, like my own Plex library, uh, which you haven't seen because we've never actually, now that I think about it, become friends on Plex. Uh, pr friends on Plex. Friends on Flex. Um, you, you never accepted my invite, so I thought that I did. I, I, I you're still under under pending invitations. All right. But, all right. But like most of my Plex library is movies that I couldn't find streaming. And, right. And went out uh, like Cemetery Man. You're not going to find on any streaming platform, but it's uh, totally worth having. And I owned it at one point on VHS, so I don't feel bad. Cruel Intentions. Yes. Which, real true story, 1999's Cruel Intentions is not available on streaming and it's not even available on iTunes anymore. I do have an iTunes purchase that I was able to get at one point, I believe. And it is on, I have it on, uh, it's shared with me on a number of different Plex things. But yeah, they're like weird movies, uh, even like big ones that sometimes are just not available on streaming. And it's fortunately getting less and less, but yeah, there are a number of things you're like, yeah, this is not available. This is out of print. And you know what? This like I don't have to worry about it anymore. I used to be the same about music as you were. Like I would grab a song if I just had a song stuck in my head and I could get it for free. I, I would go buy it or go steal it. But if I if I really liked the song or I wanted more than one song off the album, I, I would buy the album. But that be, like once iTunes started offering single tracks for 99 cents. Right. I didn't have to feel bad anymore. And now, exactly. now I live in a world where 
it is rare, except for B-sides and demos, it is rare that I can't find the song I'm looking for on a service I'm legitimately paying for. Yeah, no, it's hard. There are there's some things, and again, it's weird. Like Aaliyah is one of the few artists who's not on streaming, uh, which is sad because a whole generation hasn't really been able to discover her music. And that's a weird thing. I think that her uncle, uh, who owns the rights to that label stuff, like there's some weird thing. Anyway, she's not on streaming. There are a couple of other artists. But by and large, most of those things are um, not um, like you can find anything, you know, like that's that's kind of the the thing. Um, you're going to have to send me the invite again because I don't even see it as a pending All right, uh, fine. invite. Um, but actually, hold on a second. Users and sharing. This is this is great radio right now. Oh no, I got it. Okay, cool. All right, I'm I'm I've accepted. Thank you. Um, so Historic yeah, but moment we've waited for weeks for for Christina to get on my Plex. Now I'm on your Plex, uh, and I'll need to make sure uh, you have, share your libraries with me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll I'll have Grant do it because um we stupidly have two separate Plex accounts. Um, so but yeah, um. In this day and age, like music is kind of a commodity, so most things are available, but not everything. Like I still miss Oink, which was the best music tracker ever. And and funny story, I've interviewed Trent Reznor twice over the years, and both times I talked to him about Oink because he was a, a famous like user and uh, member of, of that uh, of the, the very best uh, private tracker uh, torrent music site. Like it had everything. And um, the last time I talked to him about it was actually during the Apple Music launch. It didn't make it into my uh, article, but we did have a nice conversation about that, uh, much to the chagrin of the PR people who were on the line, who I'm sure were not at all thrilled that me and, and uh, you know, uh, Trent Reznor uh, were, were talking about, you know, like quasi-legal access to music. Sure, sure. But, but the whole point being at this point, you know, now you don't even have to buy the single tracks because if you subscribe to Spotify or, or Apple Music or Tidal or Amazon Music or whatever, uh, Deezer, you have access to basically every song and album out there. Right. Yeah. I got distracted <laughs> going through other people's Plex libraries. That's that's our show now. Just that going is our show now. Just going through other people's Plex libraries. Um, so I, there's a show on Netflix, which is kind of a, a segue. I, I we we did just mention Netflix recently, so I'm, yeah, we did. Like no, I'm we're getting, talking. I'm getting no, better no, this, at this. You know, this is a good segue because we're talking about entertainment. This is yeah. this is a perfect segue for yeah. this. Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, Queen's Gambit is a show that it's about chess, which yeah, I I I'm not good at chess. Like I've lost plenty of chess games in my life, but I'm no I'm no fan of chess. So I didn't think I'd be super into it, but the preview sparked my interest and I started watching it and I just finished it last night and it's actually, I, I loved it. Have you seen Queen's Gambit? Yeah, I've seen some of it. And then I had a whole, I had a weird conversation with my friends, Alex and Catherine in one of our group chats about, uh, Anna uh, or Anya Taylor-Joy who pays, who plays Beth because she, is like somebody who, A, she looks like a million women out there, but B, like there, I, the, the, the age range, I guess, that she kind of like plays yeah. in this is, is kind of interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, she plays every age except for like the nine-year-old version of her. Right. Yeah. So I, I won't give away the ending, but it's, it's a girl who started playing chess in the basement of an orphanage with the janitor and got obsessed with it. And uh, meanwhile, like develops uh, some uh, drug and alcohol dependencies and becomes like state dependent. Like she can't play chess without drugs, which is, yeah, I, I get it. Like uh, there was a point in my life where I couldn't do art without drugs. So yeah. I get that. 
Yeah. Um, well, now that we're having this conversation, so when I tried watching this, I guess when this came out a couple of weeks ago or whatever, I wound up going down some weird rabbit hole of of chess movies. So I was watching, you know, um, uh, um, Searching for Bobby Fischer, which I hadn't seen in a long time. And then that led me down this really weird, like Bobby Fischer, like rabbit <laughs> hole, which I don't recommend people going down because that just gets disturbing. Um, but yeah, I went, but I did, I, I remember, I remember this distinctly now because this is why I didn't finish this series because I wound up going down some weird rabbit hole of Wikipedia pages about various chess grandmasters. You, and it was you and your Wikipedia K holes. Uh, yes. My Wikipedia K holes. That is, that is totally, I mean, that's like, that's a good, like solid throwback <laughs> to what our show f- fundamentally is, <laughs> which is both of us just like getting sucked into these k-holes of, of internet ridiculousness but yeah um i uh, i'll finish it but yeah um i wanted to hear your thoughts on it without kind of spoiling things are you a fan you're not a fan like of of the show yeah yeah i it, it i found it very very compelling um i it, it's dark in a way like i guess partly because it just deals with well, I no, it's a girl who whose mom like it develops the story of how how who her mom was. Uh but like opening show it's like her standing on a bridge with her mom dead in a car after an, an automobile accident and then like going to an orphanage, growing up without a parent, being adopted by a family that really doesn't give a shit about her. And so it's dark. It there's a lot of uh pain involved with it and yeah, no, I found it very compelling. I finished the whole series in about a week. Worth it. Awesome. Awesome. And um, speaking about things that are kind of dark, but also entertaining, I guess this is my attempt of doing the the John Oliver Memorial Sewage Plant. <laughs> it's not dark. It's a very heartwarming story. Uh, for anyone who didn't follow this, at, at some point in the past, it's been a while, uh, John Oliver took a random swipe at a town called Danbury in Connecticut uh, yeah. and just just reamed them for no apparent reason. Just one of his like <laughs> one of his things. Yeah. Just just a takedown of a completely innocent little burg. And they responded with some brilliant social media um, kind of uh uh, retaliations. Yeah, they did. They they got his attention and it became kind of a, a tit for tat back and forth. And eventually, uh, as an insult, the mayor of (laughs) Danbury, uh, said they were, he showed a sign and said in honor of John Oliver, they were renaming their sewage treatment plant, the John Oliver Memorial sewage (laughs) plant. Not just the John Oliver sewage plant, the, but the, the memorial. memorial. And and he loved it. And then it turned out that it was just a joke. Uh, and he said that if they would actually do it, he would donate. It was like $70,000. Something like that. Uh, uh, tens of thousands of dollars to three different charities uh, in their area. And... Uh, and would show up for the uh, the ribbon cutting and everything, and it 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 went on for a little while. The mayor seemed to equivocate on it, uh, and then they had, and he televised the uh, he did the city council <laughs> the Zoom based city council meeting where they voted on whether to do this, and to me it seemed like such an obvious, like naming a sewage plant <laughs> shouldn't be a big deal. But there were actually dissenting city council members that just didn't want to have anything to do with this nonsense. They, they were not amused by the joke. They, they didn't like the fact that he was like, it's full of shit, just like me. Like, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it was a it was a very it, ultimately they did officially rename it. And his last show closed out with uh, with him at the ribbon cutting ceremony, fully dressed, decked out in like a hazmat suit. It it was it was heartwarming and brilliant, and I'm glad it happened. So am I, and it's just like the perfect John Oliver thing mm-hmm. because that's 
that's this. I mean, he's he's done that sort of thing uh, before, not to, to this sort of uh, extent, but but he's had these sorts of back and forths with cities and with yeah. companies and stuff before. And uh, I love it when when this sort of stuff happens. He's he's my favorite, and uh, like that that is still to me. It, I will say the show has lost something when it's not in front of a live audience. Uh, I still laugh, but there is something weird about not having, you know, an audience there yeah, to laugh at the jokes the along with shows, you. Yeah. It is, it is, uh, but but I still like he's one of my favorites, and and over the last you know five years or however long his show's been on, and even before that when he was on the Daily Show, like he's he's one of like the rare like kind of like bright spots in in the hellscape that has been you know kind of humanity and the news. I think uh, it's 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 sort of sad uh, that it's taken. I mean, he's, he obviously comes from like the John Stewart school of all this stuff, but it is sort of sad that it, it sometimes takes like the comedians to approach news in the best way and be like the most explanatory and informative, yes. you know, like there, there's, there's something that's kind of messed up about that, but Speaking he he's done a great job. Yes. N- this isn't even a segue. This is just a downright continuation. What do you know about John Stewart and Apple TV plus? He announced something. That's all I know. I don't. Yeah, I I don't yeah. know. I I heard there was it was a um, John Stewart was on whose show? Oh, it was Colbert. He was on the Late Show with Colbert, and Colbert made some comment about Apple TV Plus. Congratulations on your Apple TV Plus deal. And I couldn't find an explanation of this, but. Nothing, nothing in the last month, maybe the last year, has been ex- as exciting to me as the idea of John Stewart coming back right now. Oh, I agree. I agree. Okay, so this is from the New York Times. John Stewart returns the spotlight with a series for Apple TV Plus. On his new program, the former Daily Show host will explore topics that are currently part of the national conversation and his advocacy work. Apple said. Oh. So, uh, so I'm not sure. It's, it's it said um, Apple TV uh, Plus said it ordered the series for multiple seasons. It will feature one hour episodes. Each dedicated to a single topic, Apple didn't describe the format, whether it would be an interview series or something closer to John Oliver's weekly HBO series, or specify how many episodes um, it would have per season. Yeah, so we know um, nothing. So we know nothing. My hope is that it will be kind of in the John Oliver style. Like, you know, because A, the John Oliver style is in some ways kind of a continuation of what John Oliver did on, um, you know, Daily Show and and kind of coming from that perspective. Uh, but um, like, it doesn't need to be a total rip off of that, but that would actually be a good thing for Apple to be in, to have one of those types of yeah. shows. And uh, I just hope that it doesn't get like too like, uh, I hope they keep the humor, right? Like I hope that they, oh, I, yeah. I, I, I trust that they'll, I trust that they'll nail the format once they come to that. I just hope that they, you know, that it doesn't try to be too earnest. That's my only thing. Like, like, like don't lean into the earnestness too much. Like, well, I, I see I, that's the thing that makes John Stewart one of my heroes is his ability to be humorous and self-deprecating while still being very earnest. Agreed. Uh, and, and not approaching it as just like I'm going to lecture you on this topic, but we're right. gonna, we're going to look at it from uh, honestly, it's a very Jewish sense of humor. And yeah. it's everything that I love about the Jewish sense of humor. Um, no, it totally is. I just mean that, like, you could see that, and, and I don't have any, like, fears about John Oliver, or not John Oliver, about John Stewart doing this, just more with, with whoever his showrunners or whatever would be, is that I wanted to keep that humor because yeah. it could get into that earnest place too much. Like, it could be too earnest. Yeah. And then that would be, like, preachy. And and not that I'm opposed to being preached at by, by John Stewart because I would totally watch that. But part of what made The Daily Show so perfect was that he could be really earnest, as you said, but he was funny. But he also wasn't afraid, as you also said, to being silly and to yeah. just kind of going into that other into that other stuff. And it's, it's interesting. I do feel like, you know, the success of Stephen Colbert and uh, of John Oliver, you know, part of me feels bad for Trevor Noah a little bit because <laughs> – you know, the the, the people who, who uh, you know, Samantha Bee's show was really good, even though that didn't last. You know, but like the. She's still on. All, oh, she's still on? Yeah. I watch her okay. show. I don't okay. remember. Okay. Well, yeah. She, I watch her on YouTube now. I don't remember what network she ended up on. Uh, TBS, I think. But, um, but yeah. So, you know, like 
the the ho you know the the secondary characters all went on to oh it was Larry Wilmore that that uh that his show didn't last um Samantha Bee is still on uh Larry Wilmore has something new now good for him yeah uh but but, but, but it's I guess not my, as my, good anyway your point right. stands <laughs> but my, my 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 point being like part of me feels kind of bad for Trevor Noah because it's like all of the the secondary characters went on to having these really good shows in their own right mm-hmm. and and it's been hard for him to kind of get. Well, part of it too is just he's not as good. Like that's yeah, just the, the he fact. Just isn't. He, he's just he's just not as good, and and that's that's not the a show, knock on the him. Show feels like and okay, so it feels like it's made for kids, and maybe the Daily Show always was made for kids, and I just got old. But his he, he Trevor Noah, I don't feel like an adult watching the Daily Show anymore. Yeah, and and I think I mean because I remember I I watched the Daily Show when it was Craig Kilburn right, and. Yeah. And and I remember when John Stewart took over, I was I was like fifteen or sixteen, and and I was like a huge fan. I was like, oh, he's doing really good stuff. And I liked Craig Kilborn, but it obviously became like a much better show. It was like a very instantly. different show after that. Completely yeah. different, yeah. Like like it was a completely different show, and and you could just see like from the beginning, John Stewart just had like a different sensibility and a different uh, yeah, way a di- of doing different it. Vision for it. Entirely. That's what I mean exactly. Yeah. Like his his vision, he was like, this is not going to be the same thing, and and it, and it wasn't. Um, whereas I think like Trevor Noah didn't come at it with that same sort of approach. He's tried to kind of keep what the format was and some of the, some of the things that were part of the, the Jon Stewart daily show live, which makes sense. The problem being that everybody who had been like big, you know, in the Jon Stewart area, the, the biggest players all got their own shows or, you know, became parts of, of other things. And he's just not as good. Um, but I, I do definitely like, it's been nice to see, you know, the success of John Oliver and Stephen Colbert, of course, but it's, um, it'll be interesting to see John Stewart back on TV because I've missed him. You know, he's been gone for five years and, and, uh, and, and I have missed him more than ever in the last four years. Agreed. Agreed. Like, um, <laughs> he yeah. got out at a good time for someone who was burnt out. This would not have been the four years to be doing what he was doing. And he he was getting burnt out. Oh, he was so burned out. And, and I mean, the interviews that- were lame by the time he was done. Uh, like he he was not the sharp interviewer that he was previously. Uh, I, no. I get he needed a break, but now is the time to come back. No, totally. I mean, I kind of feel the same way about Keith Olbermann to a certain extent. Um, oh, my God. I gave up on him years ago. Well, you know, but that's the thing. Like, he kind of got burned. This is sort of my point, though. Like, he got burned out and but didn't quit. Yeah. And 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 still kept kind of doing his own thing. Although he's quit ESPN yet again to go back to doing, um, like, uh, uh, political commentary stuff, which is good. I think that he's just going to be doing it on, on YouTube or something. Um, but I um, yeah, yeah, he's going to start a, a political commentary program on, on his YouTube channel. And... I, I, I could get into that. You know, it's been a few years since um, I've been able to watch him do any of that stuff. Maybe maybe this will be a good time again. But I, I, there was a part of... <laughs> go ahead, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say, this would have been a time that in like a perfect world, he would have been, if he hadn't been, if he hadn't burned himself out, would have been nice to have had yeah. him and Jon Stewart. Yes. But the thing about Olbermann is he's full of rich white man bluster which comes across as uh, with some gravitas, but also now is not really the time. Now is now is a better time for Maddow than Olbermann. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that that I, I always but there's something to be said, I think, for hopefully this nightmare will now will now be over. But there's something to be said about like the last four years that I do kind of wonder if you would have had that rich white man bluster of somebody just calling it out every single week like directly and without the pretenses of of journalistic integrity <laughs> if if I don't think anything would have changed at all I just think it would have been cathartic yeah I'll, I'll, I'll give you that there's always a place for uh righteous indignation yeah I mean he did do like the resistance with Keith Olbermann or whatever which was like his GQ series but again like I think he just kind of burned himself out and and he didn't do himself any favors when he did the whole current TV thing and all that stuff like you know there was a lot of stuff that went on with Keith Olbermann but um, but like I, I don't know maybe this just because I was I was young then but I feel like there was that you know in that in the early 2000s when you had like that was peak daily show but that was also peak 
Olbermann, and that was that was a good shit. And uh, at least though we have people like John Oliver, and what I do appreciate about John Oliver is that he, similarly to uh, to Stewart, is earnest and will explain things very well. Uh, but he gets even sillier than 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 Stewart would, you yeah. know. Yeah. Like he's uh, his his pop culture um, sensibility is is a little bit um, different too, which I like, and you know, hence the the John Oliver uh, memorial sewage plant. <laughs> Who's the guy that is a more recent Daily Show correspondent who now has his own show and he does uh, kind of his best known stuff as he goes to Trump rallies and interviews people. Um, and I'm totally forgetting his name. Uh, he's, he's actually really good at these, uh, these in-person on the spot interviews with, with Trump supporters and his show is, it's not called the resistance, but it's something similar. And he's done some embedded stuff with, uh, eco warrior activists and, oh man, it's really going to bug me that I can't remember this. Uh, all right. Out right here. I'm going to edit in. A little spot. Here it comes. That's where. That's where I'm gonna. Uh, yep. I just. I just. Whatever it is. I just said it. You're welcome. Very nice. Uh, I, it, it's very frustrating. My my brain. We've been talking for an hour now. I know. And I, I'm now like this is now bothering me too. Is it was it um, a Jordan Klepper? Yes. Thank you. Oh, forget about that edit. Uh, Jordan Klepper, and he has a, a. Do you know the name of the show? Do you have that handy? Uh, it was oh. he uh, the op, the opposition with Jordan yes, Klepper. The opposition with Jordan Klepper. That show is actually really good if you're looking for. Um, he he he's he's funny, in in his uh, very sarcastic way. Um, yeah, I like him. But yeah, check out check out Jordan Klepper versus <laughs> Trump rallies on uh on youtube you can find them all it's a comedy central show and he still does some stuff with the daily show but definitely uh an up-and-coming uh daily show alumni yeah i have to say like that that has to, that has to have been like his like over the last you know 15 20 years like and again this is a credit to john stewart but like one of the best kind of like farm team oh, systems totally. it's a it's a, a mill for political comedy like, like honestly, like it's 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 like the you know it's kind of like the the SNL of mm -hmm. political comment. You know what I mean? Like yep, it's totally. like okay, you you do you do your tour of duty with that, and then if you're good enough, like you get called up to the big leagues. Here's and yeah. Here's the funny thing about Klepper is when he left the Daily Show and started his own show, they originally did a Colbert style thing, where he was actually playing the part of like Infowars, like a a, right. a parody of Infowars. And this very hard right uh, a parody and and satire. And uh, that didn't track as well as they thought it would. Uh, he never hit like the Colbert sweet spot. And so they decided to just let him be the liberal that he is. And and they just kind of morphed the show into him just being honest instead of playing a part, which was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. No, which, which I think is like the right thing to do. Cause it's really hard. Like if you, maybe Colbert again, it's like one of those things, like you have to be the right person to be able to pull that yeah. off. And, and so many people didn't know that. I mean, Colbert did it so deadpan and did it so perfectly, that, you know, for years, so many people didn't know yeah. like that he was, that it was an act. That he you know what I mean? Joking. <laughs> <laughs> right, which 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 made it that much funnier to the asshole liberals like you and I, and and probably many of our listeners. Right, like we got to be smug, you know, assholes about it. But I just um, never understood how someone thought that a show came on after the Daily Show, right, and that they would program two opposing shows. Like, how do you not get that joke? Come on, people. I'm. I mean, I agree, but I don't know. It's just one of those things, again, going back to John Oliver, like it, it's always hilarious to me when whenever he does any of like the his segments on Brexit and he would show like there's this uh, there's like this UK show where they film people watching TV yeah. and get their actual reactions and, you know, seeing people, actual people in the UK's like reaction to things about Brexit and whatnot as they're realizing stuff was just like 
stunning. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh, like just just the 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 dumbness. Um, and so I, you know, but this this is how stuff like that happens. Like I, I guess I can understand that if you're not totally plugged in. Like if you care about other stuff, and the TV is just on, maybe you just think that that's somebody being serious. You know, yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's. I think it would be harder for Colbert to pull off what he pulled off then, now, in now that like um, linear television has disappeared right. to a certain extent. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he could pull off the same type of thing, and that might be why Jordan Klepper's thing didn't work. Yeah, right. Could very like, well be just a sign it, it, of the it, kind. Exactly. It's like okay, that sort of conceit only works when you're in a linear television environment with when you're kind of an on-demand people choosing you know over the top kind of streaming scenario you have to find a different sort of you know conceit to to have that sort of humor maybe you can't do that sort of thing right like the the parodies are people aren't going to get it Uh, which actually that could that could be the case right because when people when people have tried on netflix for instance like joel McHale's various shows on Netflix haven't worked out and whatnot. Like, and Netflix hasn't been able to do any sort of daily or weekly show they've tried and they just, it hasn't worked for them. And I have a feeling uh, that's as much of a function as Netflix as anything else. Whoa. I do think Apple could succeed, but Netflix, it, I don't think that the people approach it the same way that they approach linear television, which means that anything that has a specific like age on it, you know what I mean? Like you have to watch this within this period of time. Yeah. Doesn't work the same way. Yeah. I'm really impressed that on two hours of sleep, you, you like usually when you get really tired, you te- you very easily slip into like your deep rabbit holes about like uh, 90s teen uh, television, television shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you stayed like right on the surface with me just being ADHD about the news this week. I'm impressed. Um, Thank you. Not that, Thank not that you. I mind the Christina rabbit holes. That's that's what we're here for. Totally. But I do. But get to, I, I get to participate more. No, I, and I appreciate. I see. I've been trying. I want you to participate more. <laughs> and plus, at this point, like listeners, you have four years worth of me going on '90s rabbit holes <laughs> about teen dramas, and and I could write a dissertation on it, uh, which would be worthless. Uh, our, our our friend Marina would would. Uh, gladly tell me, Christina, don't write this. <laughs> Plenty of other people have. Just don't. And I'd be like, but but they haven't been as good as mine. But I would also be like, yeah, you're right. This is not a conducive use of my time. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, in all honesty, in all earnestness, get some sleep. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you as well. And uh, to all of our listeners out there, um, whenever you're listening to this, uh, keep keep the faith, keep up the good fight. Uh Etc. 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 And good night. This system is going down low.